Hello everyone, this is Tim Dodd. Welcome to the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast. Faithful to give witness to tens of thousands, yes, and to the millions that believe it. And believes in I believe that God's gladly lived a packet until all around the world it's been circulated. Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast today. This is the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast where we report on the works of God all over the world as relates to the end time word. Well, greetings, friends, brothers, and sisters. Welcome once again to the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast. Brother Mark Ajo here with Brother Tim Dodd. And can you believe it, Brother Tim? We're just about at the end of another year. God bless you, Brother Mark, and God bless you, everybody. Here we are after another year of very busy times on the mission field. I think it's about time that we recap what's happened and... and uh, kind of summarize if we can for the year. Yes, absolutely. And we also have coming soon to your mailboxes a Believer's Faith Challenge Report in the print form. In fact, if you hear some pages turning as we go through this podcast, well, that's me. I have my copy of the Believer's Faith Challenge Report right in front of me during this podcast. It's gone out this last week, and uh, uh, I think... It'll be caught up in the Christmas mail, although I'm not sure how much mail there is anymore at Christmas time with the advent of texting and emailing and all that kind of things. But uh, it's in the mail, and so our, uh, those that are on the mailing list will be able to uh, receive a BFCR. If not, if you're not on the mailing list and you want to get your own copy, physical copy of the Believer's Faith Challenge Report and all the reports that come in there, the pictures, all those sorts of things, which we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, what is the address, Brother Mark, for people to email if they want to get a BFCR? Yes, you can always email to info at bible-believers.org, and that'll come straight to the missions department, info at bible-believers.org. I think if you go to the Cloverdale Bible Way site, which is BibleWay.org, uh, you can also uh, put your name in on the, if you go right down to the bottom of the page, there is a spot for you to put your name and your email address for the newsletter. Yes, absolutely. And that would also allow you to receive the email reports right. that we send out all throughout the year. And that would help you keep up on what is going on in missions. I think, Brother Mark, it'd be good to update people on that itself. Um, we do try to communicate as much as possible. We have several different channels, which we do. Uh, we, we do a podcast, um, usually once every week to 10 days. And then uh, we also send out notifications of that podcast. As well, we send out notifications of our uh, any articles that are published on the website so that people will get an email uh, notification that there's something new, as well as doing the Believer's Faith Challenge report twice yearly. Uh, does that kind of sum it up? I think it does. And uh, nowadays people get their information in a variety of different ways through different channels. 
And so sometimes it's the same information, but it's coming through different ways. So if you like to uh, get your information through a podcast, we recap, and it's usually up to date. We do those pretty quickly after things happen out on the field. And uh, that email that comes out, if you're signed up for that email newsletter, you want to see it in print form, then oftentimes there's an article that will be posted either in the email or it'll direct you to the missions portion of the Bible Way website where we'll have a, a written article on that same subject. So this is year end, and it's interesting. We do have a Believer's Faith Challenge report coming out that recaps a lot of things that happened this past year, even though it's not the only printed uh, version of this year. But it does recap uh, a lot of the areas we've been involved in. So, Brother Tim, I think it would help the people if we could kind of talk through this. I have my paper copy already, and the pictures this time in my opinion, are fabulous. It's just a wonderful full color. It just really brings you into the scene, and uh, people are going to want to see that. But for those who can't wait, let's just talk through the stories in this. Would that work? Sure. Well, it's been an exciting year in missions, and if you've been along with us for the ride, you know that one of the, the big happenings that's been going on is the awakening that is going on in Uganda. So, Brother Tim, and you were able to travel there this year. So what can you tell the people about the situation in Uganda? Well, I was just there last month, and uh, I think that's been covered already in podcasts previous, so I won't go into all the details. However, as it relates to the Believer's Faith Challenge Report, one of the things that we did uh, this year, or this issue of the Faith Challenge Report, is to include a lot of pictures. You know, the with the podcasts and with the articles on the web, there's often isn't room for pictures. So we did a complete two-page spread just of pictures, not including all the other pictures that we have on Uganda. And uh, just going through it, there's actually six pages of information on Uganda alone. And so people will see uh, there the pictures of the goings-on. They'll hear the testimony, or they'll be able to read, rather, the testimony of Brother Juma. And uh, we've already talked about that on a podcast, but you can read it for yourself, see the pictures of the damage that to his church from the persecution that he was suffering, and uh, as well as uh, going into different aspects of the church buildings, uh, the different brothers that are laboring in the field, the container of books that have arrived in the country. There's many different aspects of what's happening in Uganda. So let me, having said all that, let me just say what it pertains to. There are about, well, I, by best estimates, there's got to be over 100,000 new believers in Uganda. In the, in the last five years. And this is how I arrive at that number. When I was in Uganda, I spoke to 1,200 new ministers that have been in the message for less than five years. And that is in one location, in one service. Additionally, there were hundreds in other services, as well as hundreds that couldn't make it. So if we estimate roughly 2,000 new ministers. Now, in the... Um, 
meeting that I had with the 1,200 ministers, I spoke to many of them or some of them personally. And, you know, you get different stories of different sizes of congregations. Some might say, I have 40 people, I have 50, I have 75, I have 250, I have 380. These are numbers that I heard specifically. Uh, so if I put a, a conservative estimate of 50 people uh, in a congregation of each of the 2,000 ministers, that gives us 100,000 people. And and that's where we're dealing with a huge need, and uh, we we want to look forward to the future. We just landed uh, 20,000 Bibles, 10,000 church-age books, and 10,000 Hebrews books. And that brings to uh, or our shipments from overseas uh, to a total of 30,000 Bibles, 30,000 church-age books, 10,000 seals books, and 10,000 Hebrews books. So that's just the large books besides the individual titles, which we print about 10,000 copies of individual titles in four languages in Uganda. And so all of that to say that seems like, uh, you know, it's just hardly enough to... Um, what would we say, graze the surface, hit the highlights. You know, they're, they're, the need is just so great, Brother Mark. The only word that I've come up with is overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Overwhelming. Sure. Uh, just a little quick math in my head. If you're talking about 100,000 new believers and you've got 30,000 of your, of your largest resource, that means that only one out of three believers is going to get a church ages book for example that's all there are right but that's that's a significant chunk you know when you think about okay if a church has a hundred people they might get 30 books and uh, you know might that might be enable them to give one per family we hope and so so I think we're we're covering it but people are still coming in thousands of baptisms this year and uh, you know, of course, individually, we'd like them individually to have uh, individual Bibles and certainly to be able to benefit from some of the other books as well. We have to up, we have to bring up the numbers of Hebrews and Seals books, especially. We've only got 10,000 of each of those. Yeah, yeah. Well, that takes us into the future, and uh, I, I don't think five years ago we would be thinking in terms of 100,000 new believers, but uh, our horizons have been expanded so much by what has happened. How do we prepare for what might be ahead in this awakening? Well, I think that we have to rely, of course, on the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we basically operate by faith, and that is to say, what people give is what we do. It's not based on our agenda or trying to accomplish something, but rather the brothers there, I mean, Brother Fred, I asked him how many more, how many more Bibles and church age books do we need? And he said off the top of his head, 200,000. So he's got a big vision. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh my. And of course, 200,000 Bibles costs us about $5 to print. That's a million dollars right there. Uh. And, uh, 
church age books at about two dollars a book, and and uh, at two hundred thousand, that's eight hundred thousand dollars, have a four hundred thousand dollars right there. So, uh, so these are numbers that you know we just say, well, be it unto you according to your faith. You know, if God provides, uh, we just continue pressing forward to meet the needs. Yeah, yeah. Brother Tim, I, I'm familiar, you know, as you know, with what's been going on. And we're just, where I live right now, we've got a blizzard outside. And uh, it's very cold. But as I was hearing you talking, I got goosebumps. But I don't think it was the weather. <laughs> I, I just, the impact, I just, every time I look at this, I, it just, overwhelming is the word you used. Yeah, that's the way I feel about it. And I look at us, and we're just a small, humble people. Uh, it's going to take all of us, you know, and like you say, faith in God for this kind of a, a need to be met. When I got home from Uganda, you know, I just spent much time in prayer, just confessing to the Lord, you know, I, I don't know how we're going to meet this, how this is going to happen. All I know is that you know the need. And, and you're the only one that can meet the need. And so we're just trusting completely in the Lord. Brother Mark, this is a supernatural move. It always has been from the very beginning. And uh, we're looking forward to be able to testify of what God's doing in the midst of all of this. Well, if we are overwhelmed, let's think about the ministry that's on the field there, because they weren't expecting this either. So how are they holding up under the strain of this, the ministry required by this awakening that just seems to be expanding? Well, holding up is um, an interesting phrase. I know Brother Fred is weak in body, not being a 100% healthy man, but nevertheless, he's, he's done well. Uh, Brother Stephen also helps lead the uh, revival, the awakening. And uh, and we have a page in the BFCR that highlights some of the men that are working in the field. And so I think that people will appreciate reading about some of these brothers. They're just going 24-7. That's all they know. That's all they're doing. They're just focused entirely on, on ministering to the souls that have been quickened by the light of the hour. Mm -hmm. So when you say 24-7... What do they do? What would be, say, their average day or week as they minister to this situation? Generally speaking, you've, you've got probably a half a dozen brothers that are involved in weekly or biweekly ministers' meetings. You've got uh, probably all of these brothers and more involved in going out to the places that have requested meetings. And so there's meetings that are set up in different areas and and so they go out and they minister the the message. And, you know, it's kind of like, again, the testimony of Brother Juma, who was a Pentecostal minister, uh, came into the message this past year. And uh, because of him, uh, we, uh, we see uh, an, there's been about 1,600 people baptized and waiting for baptism this year. But in his region... They just heard the message this year. So the brothers will go out and minister, and then someone like Brother Juma comes in, and there's a number of ministers in that area now that have come into the message. And so there's, there just is a constant need for direct ministry from the brothers there. Mm -hmm. 
and that requires traveling and as you know brother tim traveling in uganda is very different than it is over here in america or canada well the travel that you mentioned brother mark is arduous and that's one of the things that we help the brothers with uh, some of the brothers have vehicles some of them use motorcycles some of them use public transportation to reach these different areas and of course with the uh, with the price of gasoline going up really motorcycles now become more advantageous than even vehicles there are a couple of needs that I'll mention in the field one is brother Fred's team needs a second vehicle they have one vehicle that brother Fred uses but it it only seats half a dozen people and uh, so they need another vehicle to transport not just people but also uh, books and equipment and things like that as you know when brother Fred goes out he usually takes a sound system and and uh, takes some singers with him and that sort of thing which is great has a great impact and uh, some of the other brothers need motorcycles and so there these are uh, needs that are out on the field because of the present circumstances but they're getting by we're supplying them monthly with funds to uh, to have transport to be able to get out to meetings and to also help transport some of these ministers into the ministers meetings that they hold regularly brother Tim you have known these men many of them I think even since before this awakening started what can you tell us about their character, their maturity in the faith, those kinds of things? That's a, a good question, Brother Mark. And just because I love these men, these are real men of God. Uh, Brother Stephen Abali, Brother Fred Sheenji, the other brothers whom, you know, I, I don't really want to list because I'll forget somebody. But, uh, uh, you know, I know that it seems so unusual what God's doing there. It seems very strange that so many tens of thousands of people would come into the light of the message and be baptized and receive the light of the message of the hour. But it is the fulfillment of what Brother Branham said in that people will awaken from denominations recognizing that the denominations are not giving them what they're looking for. And that's exactly what's happening. But uh, these men... Um, I would put my life in their hands. I, I, and, and when I say I trust them, I want the people to understand while I trust them, uh, for example, I was talking to a brother the other day and he said, you know, he's heard different things about Uganda and the reputation in times past of perhaps some funds that didn't necessarily go to the purpose that they were designated to. And, and I said to him, I said, well, I says, I think, I think that reputation was well earned. I says, but that was the situation before Brother Tim Dodd got involved. I said, I says, now they are accountable to me for every penny because I'm accountable to the people that give, not just for pictures. I get reports from these brothers. I get documentation. I get receipts. I get, I get everything. And they, they may not um, always appreciate the burden I put on them for documentation, but 
Uh, it's so that I can talk to the brother like I did on the phone the other day and say, no, I know where every penny's going. I know exactly how it's being spent. I've got receipts. I've got pictures. I've got estimates. I've got everything. And uh, my paperwork is stacked quite high, actually, just to make sure that the the people that are giving can have a confidence that what they're giving to is the purpose that the funds are being used for. But having said that, the integrity of these men are untouchable and is untouchable. And, and so uh, I love these brothers and they are as sincere as it comes. And what the story that we're sharing is actually the story that's happening out there. Been there, uh, seen it, talked to the people, been out into the field, been to the remote places, been in the meetings. Um, all I can say is uh, what we share is what we know to be the truth. Absolutely. And Brother Tim, you don't talk about yourself very much, but you actually have a financial background, and it seems to me the Lord may have equipped you with that just for these kinds of situations. That That is very true, Brother Mark. And, uh, you know, God trains his men for the purpose. And I had a nine-year banking career. I started banking when I was 18 years old, and and rose to management levels quite quickly. But, uh, you know, I don't look back at that necessarily, but it did teach me some things about accounting and accountability and about uh, how to properly track finances and that sort of thing. So we're grateful for a little bit of experience in that. We're not totally ignorant, but again, we're certainly trusting the Lord. Yeah. Okay, so for those of us who live a long ways away, and I'm just, I have the BFCR open right now. I'm looking at the page. I'm looking at the faces of these brothers. What can we do? Is there anything we can do to help them? They're carrying such a heavy load. And like you say, they are putting out immense efforts. That's exactly uh, what we're doing, Brother Mark, at Bible Believers, is we're supporting what God is doing through these brothers. Uh, people might think we're doing it, but really... God has put us in a support role here because they have mature ministry there. So we need funds for uh, uh, over to, for overseas printing of large books. We need funds for uh, monthly printing. We'd actually like to double our monthly output of our office there. And uh, we'll talk about that maybe in just a little bit when it comes to the message hub. But uh, the, the way that we're able to work these uh print uh, locations that are not just individual churches printing, but uh, it's worked out to be very flexible for us. But we'd like to double that. We're currently spending about $3,500 a month uh, in printing individual books there, and uh, we need to really it'd be worthwhile to double those amounts and uh, get more books into the hands of the people. So those are the those are the main needs. Our, our burden is the word... And we're also, because of many of these congregations have been, uh, have lost their places of worship, we're trying to help uh, the most needy ones get a new place of worship. And so it, it has, just this last year, we've built 27 places of worship. We've, I think, purchased another two more to bring the total to 29. And uh, we have brothers that are particularly burdened for that kind of a need. And if somebody is burdened for that, that is what we are doing. And so uh, that's ongoing as well. 
you know, being able to uh, put up these structures for about $6,500 U.S. a structure. I used to say about 5000 but costs are going up all over the world. And uh, that's, that's where we're at. So these are all the needs. It's a huge need. Uh, but keeping in mind, if somebody is burdened for about 40 cents, you can print one message book. And so uh, it all, everything adds up together. If it's the widow with two mites or the rich out of their abundance that put into the treasury, it doesn't matter. The Lord uses it for mm -hmm. his glory. Amen. And I, I understand there's, you know, the printing, but there are there is more than one language in Uganda. Didn't we uh, recently print in a couple of other languages there? Well, we are printing in uh, the Luganda language, which is where most of the new believers are located. But we're also printing in a Teso, uh, Karamajong, Katara languages. So that's four languages we're printing in Uganda right now. Mm-hmm. And the Church Ages book also? Well, we just finished the Church Age book uh, for three of these languages. Luganda already had the Church Age book, but we just finished the Runyakatara, the Ateso, and the Karamajong uh, language Church Age books. And that's a tremendous milestone. We're just in the uh, process of doing the final uh, proofreading of the layout and the formatting of the layout so that we can print these as well. These are going to be additional. Each each one needs about 10,000 copies of books. So, you know, we're going to need um, probably $15,000 per language to print these books. I will say that the Runya Katara language, the believers in Edmonton at End Time Message Tabernacle are looking at sponsoring that. The pastor there, Brother Ed Hammermeister, is looking at sponsoring their needs there. But one of the great things is, when the translators do these translations, they do chapter by chapter of the Church Age book, we then have a process that that we computer generate a complete book and put it all together, binding, table of contents, everything. But we also, out of those Church Age books, into the message hub, uh, the individual chapters are printable, but also we generate 25 tracts out of the Church Age book. Tracks on the Godhead, tracks on serpent seed, tracks on original sin, on on uh, you know the on different aspects, the messenger and and different things, and so people can get that. Uh, uh, so once the Church Age book is done, we generate tracks that are entirely Brother Branham speaking on these subjects, so that people can print them out and give them out in tract form. Well. Praise the Lord for the resources that are there, and Brother Tim, this is certainly not a speculative venture. I mean, what is being sent out in terms of resources is producing results. Amen. We're, we're trying to keep up to the results, actually. Uh, it's <laughs> not right. producing results. We're, we're trying to keep up, and uh, <laughs> right. so Absolutely. everybody can pray for us that, uh, that the Lord will help us to just keep up with the great demand that's there. We're just we're just happy to be a part of it, Brother Mark. There's no better place to be than where God's bringing mm -hmm. souls into the kingdom of God. Absolutely. Okay, uh, Brother Tim, as we turn the page in the Believer's Faith Challenge Report from the Uganda section, page 8, it looks like we have two pages on Ethiopia. The title is 12 Days in Ethiopia. 
And the brothers went out on a missionary trip around the country from Addis Ababa. And this article is so interesting in that the Church Ages book seems to be having an impact there that is maybe different than in other places. That's true, Brother Mark, and, and it is interesting because we don't often view the Church Age book as an introductory book of the message, mainly because it's a large book and people don't generally want to read a large book when they're first uh, hearing about the message. But in Ethiopia, it's different. They get the Church Age book and the people devour it. You know, and, and, and so it's had a huge impact and it highlights the importance of getting the Church Age book translated. Again, as I just mentioned, just uh, in addition to the tracts that are made available, uh, but to be able to put the book, and last year we printed a thousand copies of the Church Age book for Ethiopia. There's only a, a couple of hundred believers in Ethiopia so far. It's just a new, relatively new work there. But they're, they're making contacts, and when they give the interested contacts the Church Age book, it doesn't just stop. It gets passed around. It gets moves from member to member of family. It moves from house to house, and people begin to feed on these things. And the people will be able to read the article in the Faith Challenge Report and be able to see that... Uh, you know, the labor spent translating these things into the local Amharic language has been well worth it as lives have been changed, families have come in, till even, you know, men like, uh, you know, leaders of religious movements like the UPC Church there uh, confess the accuracy of the Church Age book and other leaders are impacted by it. Not that we're winning entire uh, denominations to the Lord, we would say, but many, many are bearing witness of the truth of the message of the hour. And uh, families are coming in and lives are being transformed. You know, people will want to read the testimony of the young man uh, that was saved recently from prison that his family had given up on. But because of his testimony, their, their lives became impacted by the message of the hour, and many of them were baptized. Yes. Yeah, it, it is a fascinating article. There are um, just a series of testimonies uh, that came out of this one 12-day outreach, and we actually have a podcast on that trip, an entire podcast, where we speak to Brother Moses Ngida, who's the, uh, the pastor there in Addis Ababa, and tells some of these amazing stories. But uh, one of the things that jumps out to me, I'm just, uh, you know, off the top of my head as I look at this, and I've been following this, but not too long ago, this church was just hardly more than a startup itself. And now here they are, it looks like traveling the, the country, uh, witnessing to their own country and, and getting results. You know, I'm so thrilled that God has raised up quality young men to take this message to their own people. Brother Mogus is the pastor there in Addis Ababa. There's also Brother Gurme, Brother Asegid. There's a young man by the name of Brother Ephraim who, who is on fire for God. And I just see these, uh, these men just take the message to their own people and others. There was a, uh, a couple of former ministers in Hawassa when we had meetings there earlier this year that were hugely impacted by the meetings, and it established them 
the meetings established them and they just said, well, we're just forsaking our former ideas and walking in the light of this message. So we're just so thankful for what God's doing there. I, I always would like to see more, but every country is unique. You know, every every place has its way of that God deals with them in within the framework of their own mindset and their own culture. Ethiopia goes back thousands of years in the gospel, in the Bible, all the way back to Solomon's day. And and they count that amongst their own people. They they count themselves as having been impacted by the Queen of Sheba and then by the eunuch in the book of Acts. And these are all stories that they believe and that they feel are their heritage. So uh, these people are genuinely um, touched by that God is real. But one thing they need to catch is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not a God of history. He's a God of today. Mm -hmm. Well, Brother Tim, uh, if someone's burdened for the work there in Ethiopia, what are the needs that uh, that we'd be able to help with? Well, translation is a big need, and that's ongoing. And as a matter of fact, Ethiopia is, because of the status of the work, uh, it's probably one of the most expensive places to translate because it's expensive to hire people. Uh, you know, in poor countries, you can pay poor wages for translations, but in countries like Ethiopia, especially the capital city, Addis Ababa, where it's expensive to live, and the translation work is hard. It's a language that is almost like hieroglyphics in their writing, and so... To, for them to put the message in their language takes a lot of labor, and so we we encourage them monthly to uh, to do translations, and and they're they're slowly building up their supply of translations. Like I said, the Church Age book is done, and other messages are getting done. So translation work, we support the church itself in Addis Ababa because they're so young and so new. Uh, gradually, we're weaning them off of our support, but we still pay the rent on their building, and and we just recently sent over some sound equipment for them so that they can have some quality sound to have meetings and things. So we're trying to uh, establish them in, uh, in a way that they can take the burden of the word themselves out into the countryside and be centrally used of God in the move there. Yes, and, you know, it's interesting to me when we talk about Uganda— which has a long history in the message going back even into, say, the early 80s. But right over in Ethiopia, it's fresh. I mean, there's this work that has risen up in the past few years. We didn't know much about anything going on in Ethiopia in the message until then. 2013 was really when the work began in Ethiopia. And, you know, supernatural things are taking place there that open doors for the people. You know, one... Like I talked about the young man out of prison whose life was transformed. There's brother, the brother we call Brother Lazarus from a very remote village. And some of those people continue to come from the village to get baptized. And when I say come from the village, you have to understand that these villages in their culture are religious. That is to say, this might be a Lutheran village, that one might be a Orthodox village, or this one over here might be a, a Baptist village. You know, they're 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 very 
uh, tied together. So for someone within the ranks of a village to embrace the message of the hour, that's a huge step. And, and so, uh, so as we see the trickle of people impacted by the revelation of the word, and we're also interested in seeing what God will do in the northern region now that the uh, there's some sort of peace there because there was a number of believers up there that we lost contact with. And when the war broke out in the northern regions, the Tigrinya region, region then um, we just trust that God has watched over them and we're able to reestablish contact with them. Well, it's a fascinating situation and we will definitely be watching that. Very different than Uganda, but the Lord is at work, and the prayers of the people, if you're listening, your prayers are needed. It's, uh, it's an adventure. It's an exploration. We don't know many times what the Lord is going to do, whether it's a work like Ethiopia or like Uganda, but uh, we just have to be prepared to jump in and help wherever we can find a need and something that we can do. Each one of these works, you know, I'd, I would just be happy just to focus on one of these works because each of them are individually so uh, important and so vibrant, as you say. But uh, it is it is uh, our lot that we, we try and help as many as we can. All right. Well, Brother Tim, this is a, a whirlwind tour. So let's talk about China. We've been involved with them for a number of years. And over those years, the situation has changed quite a bit, hasn't it? It has. You know, it, it went from very difficult to get the message into the country to then very open uh, for a number of years to now it's probably as closed as it has ever been in our lifetime, or at least in our recent lifetime. So we have very much closed doors uh, in China. But, you know, I was just looking at uh, the numbers of Chinese uh, people that are outside China, and they estimate that there's, I think, about 10 to 20 million Chinese that live outside the country for various reasons. And uh, we are involved in, we'll be printing once again the Chinese Bible, and uh, it'll be in the old-style Chinese language traditional Chinese, I think they call it, versus the newer Chinese, uh, because there's many people that live outside the country that are more used to the traditional Chinese characters. So this is this is the same King James translation that Brother Murphy and the team there worked on, but now in uh, traditional Chinese. That's correct. That's correct. Okay. So yeah, it's uh, we'll be printing I think a thousand of those Bibles right away here, and for uh, basically for distribution outside the country of China, getting Bibles inside the country are not possible. But I will say, uh, the believers that are within China, they are uh, very much uh, involved in the furtherance of the gospel within the country. And there's nothing really that can be said specifically about them. All we can say is that they're involved. And matter of fact, many of the Chinese believers have donated to purchase MP3 players within the country. As we know, China is a big manufacturing country. And uh, they use an MP3 player. 
and we they have donated I think a thousand MP3 players to ship around the world. We sent uh, several hundred of them into the country of Rwanda, and those were received this past year. And uh, people can actually even see the suitcase full of MP3 players. There's a picture of it in the BFCR. And uh, those were all donated by believers in China, shipped out, and then uh, we have some still left here, but they're shipped into these countries. We're looking at possibly doing a couple of thousand of those for Uganda, but there's no hurry on that just because uh, I want them to get their audio translations, uh, their number of audio translations up, and we're working hard with them to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, that is definitely a sign of the maturity of the believers there, that they are reaching out even beyond their own country when I'm sure they have their own needs right there at home as well. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. But above all, pray for China. Pray that God will give them liberty and that, of course, we know the devil cannot stop the purpose of God, but rather God turns the devil's actions to glorify his own will and purpose in the believer's life. And we know that's what's taking place in China. Uh, we, uh, In the spring edition of the Believer's Faith Challenge Report, we, we said the Chinese government was creating a demand for the message by cutting off the Ch any distribution of Chinese literature. And so the people that are formerly not in the message, you know, they found out that they could get message books through previous contacts and they've been able to do that. And so the message is spreading in the country. And we're happy for that. Is it dangerous for the believers there, Brother Tim? Very dangerous. But they're fearless, Brother Mark. Uh, they they are determined. You know, some of them have been in prison. And so they said, we've seen the worst. And so well, what can they do to us now than but what they've already done? And so God bless them abundantly. Their burden is, is much more... Um, how can you say, upfront and uh, more like the persecution of old than maybe our burden here. But everybody must bear their own burden, the scripture says. And so pray for these dear brothers and sisters in China. They're just wonderful, wonderful believers. And uh, we just believe that God is taking care of his own. You know, Brother Mark, one of the central things in all of this, this a central thread in the entire fabric of this mission's work is the message hub. And the 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 vision that Brother Biscoll initially had and the idea to make the message available print on demand maybe wasn't fully developed, but, but the burden was there. And so as we begin to develop the message hub and the the uh, the tools that are within it, this has now become central to not just these message works, but I, I can talk about printing that Brother Barry Coffey is doing off of the message hub. There's Brother Yasek Wallach in Poland that's printing books. There's different brothers in different places that are printing message book in different languages. There's 43 print stations in South America that were established. And, you know, one of the things that we want to do in the mess in in Bible believers is to establish a database of available print stations because print stations spring up almost organically 
and uh, so that they can... Brother Tim, could you explain briefly what a print station is? It's very simple, Brother Mark. It's, it's simply a, a duplexing printer with a couple pieces of equipment like a cut or a stapler and uh, the ability to, to fold. So what they do is they print it on this printer. They download from the message up. They print the book. It's already formatted in a format to print double-sided. The, the cover is there, everything, they can print it, and then they staple it, and they fold it, and then they trim it to make it nice and clean on the one edge. When you fold several sheets, you know, you get a little bit of a, an unevenness on the one edge, but when you trim that, then it makes it all very nice, and, and that constitutes a print station. And the differences are the type of printer you get. You know, if it's just for a local church, you just need a very simple printer. If you're doing it like we do in Uganda or Angola, then you need a high-speed printer. And so what we do now Angola is uh, we have a print office there because the Portuguese people needed message books. And the believers in Arkansas were in touch with them, and they got in touch with us. And so we, we jointly have established this office where we get volunteer labor to come and take high-speed uh, print works that are there and to uh, uh, staple, to print, and then collate and staple and put this all together and then trim them there. And so it's very much an ongoing work there in the country. But where this really translates, and I have to be careful not to put too much information in too quickly, but where this really translates is that, for example, in Uganda, same type of equipment as is in Angola, high-speed printer, staplers, cutters. And, uh, and so what we can do then is you don't have to print all in one language. You can print, um, for example, in Uganda, we print 5,000 copies, actually 5,500 copies now of the Luganda language. We print uh, 2,500 copies in the Karamajong language. We print 2,000 copies in the Ateso language. We, we print uh, 600 copies in the Kenya Rwanda language, which is actually the national language of Rwanda, but many people read that in the southwestern uh, part of Uganda. And so, so these are all little works plus we print 200 copies in Amharic to ship over to Ethiopia so we've got all of these message books and uh, we can the number can be determined by what we want to do we don't have to print 10,000 copies and store 5,000 we just print what we need and then that gets distributed out to the people immediately so they're able to use that so that's one thing that's great about the message hub one download, you can print one book, 10 books, 100 books, 5,000 books, 5,500 books, or more. Brother Barry Coffee over there in, in uh, I think they call it Vision Books, is, is his mission effort there. And he'll print 40,000 books of a title at a time. Uh, and so uh, it's certainly scalable very easily. And we just... Uh, are real excited about what's happening on the message hub. Yeah.
I think the the term on for that in the industry is print on demand, and uh, right. wherever the demand is, you mentioned Rwanda, uh, where a demand for messages in that language just sprung up out of a burden of a few brothers. They they didn't have messages in that language, but the infrastructure of having the message hub there and operating and the technology mature as soon as the brothers were able to translate we were able to come behind with all those resources so that they could post them you know you can read them online too or you can print them exactly and rwanda is a classic example of what's possible so let let me just recount the story of rwanda so you've got a few brothers one brother locally here in contact with some brothers in Rwanda that want to do translation because they want to print, because they want to get audio translations, because they want to go on the radio. Okay, so there's the, there's the steps they want to do. So now let's go back to the beginning. So we put a team of translators together like we always try and do and say, we want 10 translations a month. We have 227 trans titles that we want translated first and you do these, and we'll sponsor you to do that. So we sponsored them, and they were diligent. They, they worked hard, and within a couple of years, we had these 227. Now they're up over 400 translations, but that was the beginning. So then they got, from there, you need the text first to do the audio translation. So they begin to record audio translations. Now, at the same time they're doing audio translations, they said, we want to print. So we provided them with a simple laser printer that they could uh, print the books. I think they print, uh, you know, about 700 copies of each title. I don't know the exact amount, but they just a small amount, and they have a certain number of churches that they distribute to. So, so we provided them the printer, and then we begin to provide them with some funds to print. Once they finished the 227 translations, we no longer sponsored the translations, but they carried on translating, still uploading to the message hub. Now, after that, they're printing. Okay, they're distributing books. They're also recording audio. So they're taking the finished translations and they're making Rwanda recordings for the message. Now, what's happened is recently is that after months and months of doing the printing there, and we've supplied them with the materials, finally they had a sponsor within the country say, we'll buy the materials. So now Bible Believers is able to pass that off within the country, and now they're doing their own printing with their own materials and distributing within the country still. So then they're doing the audio translations. They've got an, enough audio translations I think it's uh, around over 100 now, and they say, we, we need players. And so the Chinese believers donated players. They brought in about 300 players for the message, and the people now have audio translations in their own language, uh, printed uh, message books, over 400 translations in print form, over 100 audio translations. All of these things all started with a burden of a brother here locally with some brothers in Rwanda about five or so years ago. Yeah, yeah. That's a wonderful testimony of what can be done. And I think maybe underlying that, Brother 
Tim is a nudge to other places, other countries, other languages that don't have much, much of a witness of the message in their language. Exactly. They could do the same thing. Exactly. We're right now sponsoring about 11, trans, 11 languages in translation work. We have two or three more that we'd like to sponsor that we haven't heard. Uh, we haven't yet allotted space within the budget. As I said, we, we do what we can. But still, as one language get, becomes complete at the level that we want it till where we won't sponsor it anymore, then we move on to other languages. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. Yes. Well, on the back page of the Believer's Faith Challenge Report, it says here in the last 12 months, 1,553 translations uploaded, <laughs> 163,467 downloaded message books. That's in all languages. Uh, 48 audio translations uploaded and audio message downloads, 14,553. Exactly. So there is a lot going on with the message hub. And you have to realize when we say 163,000 downloads, one download in Uganda prints 5,500 books. One download in Angola prints 4,000 books. So that's not the number of books that are printed. That's just the downloads. The downloads. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. And 87 language categories available. So... Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty broad footprint. We just delivered, here's a, here's a good story, uh, a good testimony. We just delivered, just last week, the first messages printed in the Setswana language for the country of Botswana. And so that was just arrived last week. We, we have a sister here in the church that works in translation in Setswana. And she also uses the artificial intelligence component of the message hub called Easy Translate. That what that does is it recommends a translation, and then the proofreader has to uh, approve or change it, and that sort of thing. And and so, nevertheless, we've we just pr printed a thousand books for for Botswana, and they were printed in a, in the office in Angola. And then they were just shipped into the country of Botswana, and they have just arrived there. And they're so happy because they're having meetings coming up here this week, and they want to distribute the books, and they're just thrilled to get those. Well, that is an example of one that's just in the maybe in the embryo stage. So all through, we've got them on all different stages, you know, from all complete, such as Spanish and I think maybe Chinese. Um, all the messages translated, and then here's some that are just starting up. We hope to announce in the spring, I was talking with Brother Murphy, we hope to announce in the spring that the Chinese language is complete. They have a, less than 100 messages to go. And uh, so things are happening there. The Spanish, the French we have, uh, Chinese is, uh, is well on its way to completion. And so we're just thrilled with all the things that we are able to help the translators get the message to their own people. Let me just say, Brother Mark, we always say it, but let me just say it again. You know, when Brother Branham had that vision of the bride, the preview of the bride, and she was clothed in the garments of her own country, we know that's a symbol in a vision because the believers on the other side are clothed in white raiments. 
not clothed in garments of their own country. So we realize that what it represents is that they are clothed with the word and the word must be in their own language. And so they're, they're very, it's very much uh, a thrill and a, a personal satisfaction to me, but I'm sure it can be to everybody that's a part of this work that these messages are getting into the language of the people. We are clothing the bride of Jesus Christ. You know, the, uh, uh, I remember, excuse me for a personal note, but I remember when my wife was going regularly to the uh, seamstress shop before we were married to, as she was working on her wedding dress. And uh, uh, I never saw it till the wedding day, but uh, they, the seamstress was doing a great job and it turned out very beautiful. But it took a lot of labor to put that all together for the wedding day. And that's what we're involved in. We're in a lot involved in a lot of labor sewing together the garments in these different languages for the bride of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and another aspect of that, of course, is the Message Hub mobile app. So it's not just necessarily a printed book or a, a desktop situation or audio, but if all you have is a phone and you know a smartphone. You know, some of these countries, they may not have the latest smartphone. They may have an older one, but they can still, if translations have been done in their language, they can pull those up through the Message Hub mobile app. That's exactly right. You know, the the apps themselves, and, and we're right now working on upgrades to the apps, and we do that with a very small budget, so it takes a little bit of time. But uh, the Android and the iOS app makes the message available, the messages that are on the Message Hub available to study, to read, as well as it links them to the Bible. So that where Brother Brown talks about a scripture, that will provide a, a one-click link for the person to jump over to the Bible or vice versa. If somebody's looking in the Bible portion or reading something in their Bible, and they go on to the Message Hub app and say, what did Brother Branham say about this scripture? That will give them the link that will take them into the message where Brother Branham talked about that scripture. So it's a very useful app. People love it, and uh, uh, it's especially focused on translated works, and it's we're able to add a number of languages. I think there's, um, let me... I think I've got the number here somewhere. There's 38 languages available in Android and uh, about half that many in the iOS app, but we expect that to grow very quickly when we upgrade mm -hmm. these applications. Okay. Yeah, Message Hub mobile app available on Google Play or on the App Store. Of course, it's free. And... Uh, English is on there too, and Brother Tim, I use it all the time. I use those links between the scripture and the message, so it's very useful. And also, um, if there is not a budget for printing in a particular place, as soon as a translation is uploaded, you don't have to wait for it to be printed. It can be available on the app or on the desktop version of Message Hub Mobile. That's true. Those are the individual languages are up, updated monthly so that they can get the latest uploads of the latest published translations in their language. Well, Brother Tim, um, 
God bless you for your labors. I, I maybe don't uh, thank you as often as I should, but I know how hard you are out there working on all of these things. And we pray for you, and we ask the Lord would continue to strengthen you in, in the work you're doing. And I know it takes a lot of effort. And uh, from my heart to the listeners out there that have followed us along through the years and and donated and prayed, you're such an important part of all of this. And we really want to thank you, and we're so glad you're involved. Without you, it would be hard to do any of the things that we've discussed in this podcast and in our the reports that we've done. So God bless Amen, you. Amen, Brother Mark. You know, as we reach the end of another year, it's Christmas time now. And we certainly wish everyone a very wonderful Christmas and a very happy new year. And thank you for being a part of the body of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says every joint supplies. And uh, that's, the, that's part of what the ministry does. You know, when the Bible talks in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 of a ministry that brings the church to maturity, this measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, until the church, until every member, it says, edifies the body, uh, every member edifies the body and uh, is able in love to build up the church. You know, that's where, and I'm, of course, I'm just quoting off the top of my head, so excuse me for misquoting that scripture, but you can read it. You know, the purpose of the ministry is that to bring the members of the body together because everyone has a part to play. That's something that we all need to be conscious of. And so to everyone that is listening, your part is important. Don't ever feel like you're not seen, you're not heard. When we get on the other side, that is really when we'll see who uh, had a part to play in this wonderful gathering of the body of Jesus Christ, the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ in the last days. You know, it's really on the other side where you'll really see who did what. And don't think that ever anything that you've ever done, any prayer that you've offered, any any funds that you've donated, anything like that ever goes unseen. You'll see on the other side, God saw every part. And and the reward when the rewards are given out, you have a part of this ministry. And thank you, each and every one. We love you for being part of this ministry. And I can I just want to say the blessings, I might be able to be there and see them firsthand, but I wish you were all there with me to rejoice in the blessings that are there. But I do know one thing, when we get to the marriage supper of the Lamb, you will be thrilled. We will all be thrilled to see the results of the message of this hour that brings the bride together. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Brother Tim. It's been nice talking with you on this podcast, and blessings to all the people in Jesus Christ's lovely name. Amen. God bless you too, Brother Mark, and God bless you once again to our listeners. Thank you for listening, and until next time, shalom. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Remember, friends, The bridegroom will not come until the bride has made herself ready. She must be both called and fully dressed by the Word of God. This is the Believer's Faith Challenge Report podcast. You can sign up for our email newsletter at BibleWay.org. 
Scroll to the bottom of the page where it says Newsletter. Fill in your name and email address and click Sign Up. In this email report, you will receive reports of the works of God in China, in Africa, in South America, in India, Europe, all over the world. We also publish a full-color paper newsletter two times a year, complete with photographs, reports, and testimonies from all over the world. The newsletter is free. Just request it, and we would be happy to mail a copy to you. You can contact us by email at info at bible-believers.org. That's info at bible-believers.org. Or you can write to us at Bible Believers, P.O. Box 128, Blaine, Washington, 98231. That's Bible Believers, P.O. Box 128, Blaine, Washington, 98231. This is Mark Aho. Thank you for being with us today. And be sure to join us for the next Believers Faith Challenge Report podcast. <laughs>